0: everything elite the first and best all elite wrestling podcast it's ab i'm joined as always by the man who gave me that idea it's nate aka Epitasis. what's up nate
1: hello wow you really came out uh with a lot of energy today more energy than the show i think uh so that was impressive on your part aaron and here i was i probably had I don't know, three different occasions over this last week where I've thought about that new introduction and said to myself, Aaron's going to forget all about it. But I mean, you did pretty much promise to forget about it and then you swerved us and you remembered it.
0: I want to be very clear that I did not think about it again until Mike was counting down to me. I was like, oh shit, what was the new intro I was supposed to do? And uh, I, I nailed it, going to be honest. Yeah, very clutch. Thank you. Uh, I think on my feet. Really, a, a, yeah, just a clutch performer. That's all it is. I'm LeBron in his prime. Uh, we're also joined by another man who, um, I don't know, What? Where, do where do I want to go here? Let's see let's how th- he
2: gets <laughs> way out of this. Let's <laughs> think let's think see on his feet. Thinking on his feet. Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> N- N- let's commentate him trying to pull this out of his ass here. He's looking
1: <laughs> off in the distance. He doesn't <laughs> usually do this something <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and don't. he's
2: he's flustered laughing because we called him on it. Yeah. Well, uh now to the uh
0: the Chris Bosch to my LeBron James. It's Mike Spears. What's up, Mike?
2: You know what? Fair. Fair. <laughs> the, the, that all lines up uh i'm doing great you know i think i had a different experience with tonight's episode than everyone else's other than alan 4 so i am ready to talk about the real main event of the night uh matt hardy versus penta el Cerro meadow
0: yes i know you were very excited about that match so i'm looking forward to uh to chatting about it when we when we make our way there uh as i'm sure oh we, well we're going to be talking about it very soon, I have a feeling. It sounds like that's going to be uh, featured in the first segment on the show. So uh, we'll see when we get there. How exciting. What a tease. All right, make sure you're following us on Twitter, at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey-ya, with two eyes. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to linktra.ee slash EverythingAEW. Find all our links to subscribe and follow us on everything. If you use the Apple Podcasts app, give us a five star rating interview. If you use Spotify, give us a five star rating. And if you want to support the show, the very best way to do so is to go to slash everything elite uh, and sign up. I think the reason I have a lot of energy is so I've been making it, I mean, I don't want to call it a tradition, but a habit, I suppose, that uh, I have one soda during AW Dynamite. And this week, I didn't get it at the start of the show. I got it close to the start of the second hour. So the sugar is really still coursing through my vein.
1: Well, I got to tell you, I, uh, I, I'm particularly low energy today. Uh, and I think that's because I have not had a soda in 2022 here. It um, was oh, not wow. really a, a conscious conscious move on my part. Um, but, you know, I, I was a couple days in. And I was like, oh, you know, I haven't had any cola. Uh, Actually, I have not really had any sort of uh, sugary sweets products yet so far in the new year. Uh, And I think I think the lack of sugar is hitting me this week.
0: Yeah, I can't recommend it whatsoever. I've eaten a lot of sugar in 2022 uh, because I was, you know, you come into a lot of uh, sweet treats around the Christmas holiday. And I have just mainlined those ever since Christmas yeah I mean, I had you know Christmas was
1: um, a shit show of sugar, I would say. <laughs> uh, so i'm I'm kind of recuperating from that and, and now going cold turkey, I suppose.
0: Well, that's that's the way to do it, I think It's what I've heard. All right, let's talk about AW Dynamite from tonight. We'll kick it off with uh, our our favorite segment, our long-standing opening segment. Elite or delete on this segment. We just say what we thought was good and what we thought was bad from AW dynamite. We kick it off with Nate, your favorite thing. What was your elite pick from tonight's show?
1: Uh, Lance Archer's back. That's good. I was happy to see Lance Archer come back. I think he's a good, you know, next opponent for Adam pages title reign here. He's a guy who's been, Successfully heated up and kind of established um, throughout the throughout his ten, tenure in AEW. Uh, but he's not a guy who, you know, I think we really expect to see beat Adam Page if he's going to be the title challenger. Um, but yeah, he was a pleasant surprise. Had a couple of surprises on this show. That was nice. And the segment was mostly a success. I think what made the segment mostly work for me was you know, they do spots in this promotion and really all promotions a lot where one guy ducks down and accidentally hits somebody else. Um, and it was executed especially well here with Lambert getting out of the way and then Archer turning his aggression on the champion. So yeah, I really, he was not on my radar at all. He's been out with an injury for however long, uh, pretty much had entirely forgotten about him. So having him show up here and be Adam pages, next opponent, presumably, um, was about the thing that got me most fired up.
2: Yeah. I was actually going to audible to this after Aaron said, Oh, I know what Mike's elite is now just as, you know, just to stick it to Aaron there. But this rocked that this was, this was really cool. I thought Dan Lambert, uh, kind of starting the segment and then it kind of veering away and like Lambert's out there for whatever reason, but he's talking about Cowboys. And then we got to have, uh, Lance Archer coming back, and Lance is, like, this awesome... I I don't want to say throwaway defense guy, but he is, like, the perfect guy for, like, you're going to do a program, it's going to be fun. He's done this a lot of times, and and the matches usually then turn out to be very good to great. So I think that this is awesome, and it'll be interesting to see, like, where they decide to go with this. This does not feel like this is a long-term pay-per-view program, but... I, I'm interested to see where it goes with this. I, th- I think that this is a the kind of uh, uh, opponent that will only help out Paige in the long run.
0: I've been getting a lot of, of criticism for nominating Dan Lambert for Best on Interviews in the EE Awards on our Patreon, uh, which if you sign up for, you can vote on the awards. And I just want to say, the guy's been in a rut, and I thought he knocked this out of the park. Uh, on this show, I'm not sure I'm like all the way in on this feud built around whether Hangman Page is as much of a cowboy as Stan Hansen or Blackjack Mulligan, Uh, but in a run of promos where Lambert has been given kind of bad stuff to work with and it really hasn't worked, whether he was given good or bad stuff to work with here, I thought he was really good and this was a compelling segment altogether.
1: Is Lance Hoyt defending the honor of cowboys? Oh, I said Hoyt. <laughs> that was supposed to be Lance Archer, formerly Lance Hoyt, he should have come out with that old the his old Trish Stratus cowboy hat from TNA or whatever he had, just to really put a, a fine point on the through line of this segment, which was <laughs> Paige winning a challenger, Lambert coming out and saying, Oh, you're a great champion, you're really good, uh, you're just a fake cowboy. Uh, and then Archer coming out for t- I don't know, other reasons. If he'd had the the, the Trish Shaddis cowboy hat, that really would have completed the picture.
0: We got to get uh, James Storm out of the real estate world, uh, back in the ring. Uh, I'd like to hear, you know, see if Paige is about to beat up Dan Lambert and all of a sudden you hear, sorry about your damn luck. I mean, we all would have lost our fucking minds. It would have been sick.
1: I probably would have reacted negatively, Um, (laughs) uh, but I do like the idea of, you know, Brian Danielson went through all the Dark Order. Hangman Page should go through all the other cowboys (laughs) in wrestling. He should beat up the one (laughs) called Manders. That would be big. (laughs) Uh, I think that's uh, Jimmy Wang Yang. He did a cowboy gimmick in WWE. He might still be working. I don't know
2: should it just be like general like agrarian based uh gimmicks because then you can have like the amish guy as well oh, like okay yeah just, just we're just gonna do a country strong tournament i feel like it's what's gonna happen here until he gets uh archer until he gets uh, lambert's respect he has to you know have to i'm trying to think of other cowboys now there's not as many MLW wrestling cowboys. must
1: have a cowboy right Who? mlw
2: mlw oh,
1: ML- <laughs> they've I got to have like- a cowboy
2: yeah, I I feel like it's kind of required. Did Maders go to there or do they have Narles Barkley? Oh, what's the guy's name? Gnarls Garvin. <laughs> Narls Bar- that does
1: sound that does sound like a name. I have no
0: idea who it is.
2: Big Beef. Yeah, I think he got signed, but I don't think he's a cowboy. I don't know. We need to find more cowboys, basically.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm not sure on cowboys, but if we're just talking, you know, farm gimmicks, uh, I'd like to see Henry O. Godwin versus Adam Page. Uh, Perhaps Phineas I. Godwin versus Adam Page. Yeah, I think there's something here. There's definitely something here. I like this. All right. Well, Mike, uh, I've suggested what you might pick. You have been swerved out of your swerve pick. So where are you going to go, bud? What's your elite
2: pick? Well, my elite thing is Matt Hardy versus Penta. This was just, for me... certain matches might not be very good but they scratch a certain spot of your brain and you you get the endorphin release you really want and matt hardy and penta just doing the hand sign and deleting at each other for a good solid two minutes was exactly what i needed to know like all right AEW has something for you tonight mike and then matt hardy just really you know, having a big time northeastern wrestling, uh, WrestleCon match of Penta and doing exactly that, and the crowd was really up for it. And this was an up and down crowd night, and it just was something that I had a, a a good time with, and that led in, of course, to the debut of Brody King in AEW. And you like look at how this all kind of played out here. I thought it was a huge win.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I certainly see, uh, your enjoyment of this. Um, he did the Mudo
2: is... moonsault, Nate. The, the moonsault
1: moon. was absolutely a peak. Um, he was like, I'm not going to do any other bumps except for this one big one. That's, I'm going to, you know, make up for my other lack of bumps by doing this, you know, <laughs> Mudo ass moonsault. <laughs> um, yeah, the... You know, like I said, I'm low energy. The crowd was low energy for the hand thing, (laughs) that just seemed to go on and on and on. Um, I don't, you know, you almost wonder if like a an N.E.W. crowd would have reacted bigger to that than this one did. Um, the match was whatever. I like tuned out of it mostly. The Brody King debut. I mean, I never really understand what Malachi Black's doing at any time. I understand he's had this long quote unquote simmering thing with Death Triangle and I understand Varsity Blonde's coming in I understand he already recruited Brody King Um, but yeah it was not where I expected this debut to happen I suppose and I think if they'd done the debut last week, last week I talked about how much the crowd enhanced the show and I thought the crowd kind of let the show down here or you know maybe it wasn't a, a show that was deserving of a super you know hot crowd or something but Yeah, I I was just uh, mostly like, man, if Brody King had been on the show last week, they would have gone crazy. It would have been a huge pop. As it was on this week, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, well, we knew that was happening, whatever. So, kind of a missed opportunity, maybe.
0: Yeah, it was mostly a good time for me to uh, take some time off (laughs) during the show, uh, you know, get myself my... My energy's replenished for the main event, uh, you know that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, it was uh, okay. So I paid attention mostly to the deletes and Cerro Mielos at the beginning, and then the finish, which was sick. So you know, you know, Mike. Maybe you're right. Maybe every part that I watched was sick. So uh, might have been a five star
2: match. It, it was all sick. Matt Hardy just not doing a single thing just like walking and talking for like five minutes it it was all fantastic you missed out on a real treat you know zoning out when you did getting a was this when you got your pop what pop did you get i'm a root beer guy this was a this was a root beer it's what i like uh
0: no i actually got up during a commercial to get my soda uh but i mean i I paid more attention than i'm Then I'm giving myself credit, but mostly I was surprised that, uh, I thought Penta took quite a few bumps relative to what I was prepared to see. I thought this was going to be a A -A AAWS, uh, Penta match, but, uh, he did some things.
2: It was right.
1: It was nice that Penta just beat Matt Hardy clean. Like
0: that was nice. Especially on this show.
1: Yeah. There was a time very recently in this company that Matt Hardy was beating all sorts of young guys clean. Uh, when he should have been, you know, putting them over, especially guys that were going on to imminent title reigns. Um, so, yeah, you know, maybe they're not just going to backburner Penta while Phoenix is out, and they're going to try to do something with him.
0: All right, I guess it's my turn, uh, but I hadn't really thought about what I was going to pick. So I'm just going to say, all right, I'm not sure when we're going to talk or how we're going to talk about the finish of this match, but I loved everything about the Wardlow versus CM Punk match up until the finish. The finish I was not crazy about whatsoever, but the match itself was great. It was a perfect role for Punk in a way to be the, you know, like territory guy that he is because they just worked the match like that. Wardlow was just an old school ass kicker. That was good. I just, you get to see the real like brutality from Wardlow. That's great. Punk took some uh, excellent bumps and just some brutal bumps. Although, oh, I mean, I know this is my elite pick, but it also just made me think like, why hasn't this guy been on top of this promotion? <laughs> I mean, what have we been doing with Wardlow for all this time? He's got a great look. He uh, is cool. He looks tough, like he can beat people. I don't know, man. The crowd likes him. It just seems like this guy should be on top of the promotion, probably.
1: Yeah. So I like the match. I didn't even mind the finish. I thought the finish was fine. Um, You know, I I expected that MJF was going to cost Wardlow the match. And I think that's fine because, you know, it wasn't for no reason. It's building to the Wardlow and MJF thing, which they... Defectively in the post match, um, and you know the, the the crowd was, um, you know, very much behind Punk. So they, you know, that's what a top babyface does is he squeaks out victories where you know maybe he shouldn't, um, and then the crowd goes, "Yes, I knew I was right to believe in CM Punk even while he was getting powerbomb ten times or whatever." Uh, but yeah, Wardlow's great. Wardlow carries himself like a big star. I mean, Wardlow is. Is out of the territories in the best way. Like, just every, you know, big, pretty tough guy thing he does is like, <laughs> you know, if you had a roster for full of lows, you'd be like, oh, the fucking glory days of wrestling are back. He's like a, I mean, he doesn't feel like he's doing, you know, some kind of nostalgia act or, you know, there's so many nostalgia acts. He feels like a contemporary, cool guy of the moment, but it's like a throwback to, just a better a better breed of wrestler. So yeah, I thought this was good. I you know, I, I fully understand complaints about the finish. I think they're, you know, if that's how you feel, then totally valid, but it didn't bother me.
2: The the finish I I was not going to think that there was any way that Sam Punk was going to lose this match. So it's like you have to book your way out of this problem you created. And kind of what I expected to be honest like was it a letdown yeah no I, I i'm with you in that regard like it should be something where like p- punk either like goes over clean and you don't really have that there and we know that mjf has like multiple plates spinning at the same time but it kind of marginalizes wardlow we know that this isn't going to be resolved anytime soon but the match itself yeah wardlow scratches that itch like you really like uh Neither of y'all are righteous gemstones, guys. Are you? No, I've
0: I've seen it. I haven't started the new season yet.
2: All right. So, uh Jody Hill, damon Bright have a tendency that they r- really like have like a throwback to wrestling is involved in their shows in certain levels with it. Like they had, like it's kind of like a core belief that they have that, and it's there is wrestling in the new season without getting into spoilers. But it feels like Wardlow in a lot of ways would be a Danny McBride pro wrestler. Well, like he would be like the random wrestlers they'd bring in there because he just looks like that kind of style of wrestler and it works on a lot of different levels. I just, with Wardlow, like I'm just kind of at the point with like Wardlow and MJF that when it happens, like, okay, neat that happens, but I'm kind of like done counting those chickens. And because he should be up there, but it seems like they're going to, constantly have them with MJF and it's an issue one month and they re- they don't follow up on it and it recedes back to the background so it's very hard for me to get worked about Wardlow anymore it seems the the thing about the fetish
0: is that in a vacuum it would probably be like it would probably be fine but it is just part of this larger thing of them wanting to protect everyone and therefore not really helping anyone at the same time like does CM Punk need protected at all (laughs) I mean I know they they want to build up somebody to get that first win over CM Punk and I get that but you know an easier way to do this might have been you know they seem to have booked backwards of Punk versus Wardlow and then Punk versus Spears you know they could have done a similar thing with, with Spears instead where uh, you know, Punk still gets the win at the end or what, you know, but I'm just saying just kind of a weird thing to uh, want to protect everybody the way they do. We saw it in the, in the next match after this. Also, uh, frankly, we saw it in the main event. Like does Daniel Garcia need protected at all? Is that necessary? So that that's just, what's frustrating about it.
1: Yeah. As part of a larger pattern, I, I certainly agree. They are leaning, especially heavy on run-ins, attacks, you know, seconds getting involved, uh, distraction finishes with people on the apron. Um, All of that has seemingly permeated throughout the show when you could just be beating some of these people. Absolutely. Okay. And I Uh, think, you know, they, they think that by not doing DQs or whatever, that makes it a satisfying clean finish or something. And it's just not how it actually plays, right? I, I oh, honestly, absolutely. I would I'd be fucking thrilled to see a, a clean disqualification in this company at this point. It's like <laughs> that you know, somebody attacks, you know, somebody and causes a distraction that leads to the, the roll up pin, and then we're supposed to be like, oh, we beat them. I mean, I they gotta give the refs like a little bit of credibility and have one to DQ on a show this year.
2: Right.
0: Like the whole story is MJF wanting Wardlow to be in the face of the revolution match to win it, to give the championship shot to MJF. Right. So you can tell this story by when Wardlow power bombs punk through the table, he gets disqualified. And so that's not a win on his, record and it's a loss on his record so it hurts his ability to get into that match at least as part of the story they're telling so that would have been just as easy of a way to tell the story and still have some uh dissension or or friction between the two of them
2: did they bring up the face of the revolution thing at all during this match because i did not notice that that being brought up no i don't think so what what did i i just called it something that
0: wasn't the face of the revolution what did i say
1: no, you said it right. I think.
0: Okay. All right. When when Mike said it, I was like, "Hmm, that doesn't sound like what I said at all." <laughs> I think I'm yeah, pretty sure that's all what right. he said. All right. Well, somebody will know. Okay, listener elite. Uh, if you want to be featured on listener elite or delete, you just got to sign up uh, for our Patreon. I've got uh, listener short shine. You know, this is probably the big story from the show we haven't talked about yet. Uh, the Boom and DMD power couple together on screen at last.
1: Yeah, that was efficient. Um, you know, I, Britt Baker doesn't need, she has her own <laughs> stable of women. Uh, so it's not like she needs some kind of rub from the Adam Cole mega unit or whatever. Uh, the way that Chris Stalander kind of benefits from being with the best friends. But they did a efficient job here of, you know, having your, your requisite Britt Baker storyline tie into this other thing they're doing with Adam Cole. And, you know, thank God we got something for Chris Statlander to do because she was not, you know, ever doing anything. So, yeah, that was good and a, a nice little pop and moment for the crowd when Britt came down to do that spot. Yeah, positive on that.
2: Yeah, this segment they managed to weave a lot of different stories into one and have like a nice tidy like opening segment that's like, all right, Bucks and Red Dragon aren't gonna be on the same page. Uh Britt comes out and is her and is Brit AEW World Women's Champion Britt Baker, but also stepping in here in a way that feels really organic. So you're able to do this uh this side program as well. And I thought that this all came off really well. Yeah, this was a i I don't necessarily like them starting to the show with like promo segments like this, but at least this one felt efficient and it set out to accomplish everything and nothing felt unearned coming out of this
0: yeah, it was cool that when Britt came out, i mean it kind of felt like a moment. it's like, oh Britt is out here with with these guys like it's like you know uh if you pretend that anytime WWE did a brand split, it was like a real thing, you know, and then they would show up. It's like, oh, holy shit. You know, we're seeing uh, the, the red and the blue stars on the same show. But I actually, I mean this sincerely, so I shouldn't have made this uh, <laughs> <laughs> reference to WWE. But it was like, whoa, this is like unexpected and exciting. So that's cool. I I worry, of course, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for now. I worry, of course, about the whole, does the main women's feud or this, yeah, it's the main women's feud have to be built around, uh, you know, her boyfriend and uh, whoever, whatever guy Chris is kind of teamed with. But they haven't done a lot of mixed tags. So I think that's interesting. Like, I'm, I'm curious, happy to see where the, it goes.
1: The crowd popped for it. The crowd was like, yeah, sure. we want to see that. So that was, you know, because it is novel. So that's the, that's the value of not doing everything 30 times and doing things you know, once a year or whatever.
0: All right, well, we've already had some uh, some rain, some clouds on this show, but uh, now we're going to talk about the things we really didn't like from the show. So, Nate, sounds like you didn't care for this show very much, bud. So tell me what you thought was the lowest point.
1: The lowest point, well, I don't, I don't, the lowest actual point was, the backstage Chris Statlander, Red Velvet, um, Layla Hirsch interview segment that, you know, just kind of exposed like, oh, you know, these women don't have any reps doing this. This is their first little skit that they're acting out. Also, like their relationships and it, their characters in a lot of way are not really established on TV to this point. So it wasn't executed well, didn't come across well you know, it wasn't a d- total disaster, but I think it was probably the, the, the part of the show that was the least strong, but yeah, I don't know, but mostly I, I thought the crowd, I, I did, I think an elite to the crowd last week. So I'll kind of do a delete to the crowd this week and say, this kind of felt low energy to me and didn't make me excited for anything. They had a couple debuts or returns on this show and they, didn't feel like anything special um and i don't know maybe it's you know uh, we're in a covid outbreak and what was <laughs> okay maybe this is my delete matt jackson said you beat covid in two days is that that's not a thing right
0: i mean what did that, that mean that isn't a thing I, I don't know what um what he was referring to but no you certainly that's what can't he said. beat it. came to... out and
1: he's like yeah, I beat COVID in two days. It's like, no, you still have COVID.
0: And he's like, now I'm going to come down to the ring. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't come to the yeah. ring. That Stay was out weird, of the right? ring. <laughs> Yeah, it was very weird.
1: Yeah, so I delete uh, I delete the crowd. I delete COVID. I delete that backstage segment. Um, I delete the whole uh, structure of this segment where I have to pick one thing because I didn't pick one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah uh that segment wasn't good uh the crowd did not seem like like when it was up for things and this could also be like i'm convinced at this point that there are two different audio feeds being sent out like one to fight and then one for uh tbs and because the crowd was not great but for me i thought they were okay and they did pop for like brody's debut they did they did of course pop for Britt Baker coming out? It just it felt very muted, and the crowd went nuts for Matt Hardy and eleting and deleting. So, I don't want to say I think that was the feed differences, but I'm wondering if the TV feed was a little bit sweetened up. And yeah, you I
1: think we've noticed enough crowd differences in our perceptions that you, there's something to it for yeah. sure. Because there's been a lot of ones where it seems like, oh, I don't we have very, very different reads on the crowd. And it doesn't seem like it should be just the, you know, personal experience. It it seems like there's maybe some kind of different audio feed action going on.
2: Yeah, I want to figure this out. I might set up like a survey to see for like this kind of thing to see if this actually is a thing or if it's just Nate and my like anecdotal just inferences.
0: Wish we could interview somebody and they'd just give us that answer. That'd be, that'd be helpful. That'd be cool. Uh, Okay. Oh, let I, I me mean, say about Layla. Yeah. So you're like, Nate, your point was like, um, you know, the, it's like, how do you even know about this? And I, so I pulled up Layla's cage match, and they haven't even done one of these tag matches where Layla is like at odds with her tag partners on TV. Those have all been on Dark and Elevation. Yeah, those are all right.
2: on YouTube.
1: So, so They you do win- recap them. So I have seen the recaps on TV. Um, so yeah, I, I, I understand what they're going for, but you know, if you went to get your root beer, you know, coming out of an ad break or whatever on the one week where they recap that you'd have no fucking idea, you wouldn't know what they're doing. You'd also be like, who is who I've, I've, I've seen this girl before, but I don't know her name. You know, that's by what I imagine the casual viewer is going like, who are these people that are never on TV? Well,
0: yeah, I mean, red velvet. Hasn't been on TV in a while. She'd be like, who? Yeah, her last time on TV was uh, in November. So, yeah. All right. That was bad. There's no doubt about it. Mike, what was your delete pick from this week's show?
2: Oh, geez. I... The... Dante Martin and Powerhouse Hobbs was such an awesome match. And then, like, you had Jay lethal and then you had, like, more interference there. But, like, I feel like that 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 overall, like, if we did, like, one core delete of the episodes, and no, Aaron, this really bugged you. Like, this finish right here, like, Hobbs, like, I think that, like, Hobbs cut one of the better promos in recent memory in the company on Road 2. And yeah, it coming to a point where it's like, yeah, Dante could take a loss here. Dante could do this, but it just... It, it, it was something that like you had Jay lethal interference and then Jay now is helping Dante Martin. And it just like, it, it, and it's like standard, like team tasks is like, Oh, this is going to continue now that we're, we're not getting any closer to finality in this storyline. And you, you had your young upstart win by uh interference roll up when you could have had Hobbs when it had been a fine or Dante went clean. So that was frustrating.
1: Yeah. just beat Dante. I don't, <laughs> Don't know why they don't just have Powerhouse Hobbs beat people. I mean, Powerhouse Hobbs is just like Wardlow, like Powerhouse Hobbs could be on TV once a month for the last whatever it is, eighteen months that he's been in the company, beating people, <laughs> and then he'd be like a much bigger deal and be ready for a push. Um, and I, you should just, you know, we talked about this a couple times. Now we talked about it on the. Uh, Patreon showed two weeks ago. Aaron was like, "Powerhouse Hobbs is one of the guys that they just do not use to, I think, his full potential." Um, and yeah, you know, maybe it's just a COVID thing that they just put Jay Lethal in Leo Rush's spot, maybe. Um, but certainly, I miss Leo Rush <laughs> when Jay Lethal came out. I was just like, oh, so yeah, um, kind of a not certainly not a angle or a post match or whatever that made me fired up about the nth meandering Team Taz story.
0: Yeah, well, it's like Mike and I talked about on on light this morning. Uh, Hobbs is 30. It's time to do something with him. He's got kind of everything you want in a uh, maybe I don't know if he's your champion, but like a top level guy. Dante's 20 years old. You can beat Dante. It's fine. And if Hobbs just comes out and beats the shit out of Dante after he's already over with the crowd. That's just going to help Hobbs. And you can figure out Dante later. Dante's brother's going to be back soon. He's going to be back to doing tag stuff, I would imagine, for a little while until it's time to elevate him. Just insane to me. And, and then when you've, as Mike, as you were saying, if you've decided for whatever reason Dante needs to win this match, I disagree with that. But just have Dante beat him. Just do it. And let's pick who we think is a guy out of these two if you're going to have the match and you book the match pick who you think should be elevated and elevate them uh, very Agreed uh, Okay what do I want to bitch about what's my delete All right here it's I'm also doing kind of a a systemic thing or or whatever but All right so we talk a lot about A lot of things get short shrift. Like there's certain people you don't see very often. There are whole divisions, women's division, tag division, that really don't get featured very well. Uh, People disappear for long periods of time, while some people are on TV all the time. On this show, there were two particular segments. We've already talked about the weird backstage segment with Chris and Red Velvet and Layla. And then the other weird backstage segment with... Arn Anderson and Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson. Okay, so you spent... Now, it wasn't a ton of time, but these are like very weird people to decide, oh, we're having a really hard time uh, with our huge and very good roster finding uh, time to put everybody on TV. But the angles, the the feuds that you're choosing to highlight are FTR versus Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson. And then this weird Layla versus Chris thing, which you already did a match on TV that Chris won. So I, I just don't understand the the planning, the strategy. Now maybe I don't know. Maybe there were a lot of people who weren't available this week. I, I don't know. Uh, I guess I have to think about who all is on Rampage. Uh, but it's it's possible, I guess. Well no! I mean, yeah, maybe I don't know, uh, but just weird choices for segments when you have so little time and so many people.
1: Yeah. I don't really have anything to add. I think that's kind of what I talk about every week about just the people that get the most time or the most regular focus are don't match up with people that I am most interested in seeing, you know, whether it be develop or just you know, get another angle or story or anything really. Um, did they (laughs) they announce Andrew Everett for something on this show?
2: I guess he's going to be be on Rampage. Rampage. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't even, you know, I like Andrew Everett. Fine. You know, I've seen good Andrew Everett matches. There is a time in 2014 where I was like, Oh yeah. Andrew Everett. Um, but yeah, he's not (laughs) what I would pick to, put on my TV when i have all these people that are like part of my established roster and just don't get don't get a crack don't get a, a shot at the plate a swing of the bat is what's the <laughs> there's some kind of baseball idiom <laughs> here uh yeah they don't get to don't, yeah, don't get to step up to the plate yeah don't get to I step mean, up then. to the plate yeah something like that
0: I I will say uh, yeah, for Andrew. I do, I do
1: I I do kind of think there's a there's a co- you know Cody, you know we know has medical protocols must be COVID. I think we know Jake has COVID. Um, so I, I think there's probably a, a COVID element in play here, which is like oh you know we can't do whatever we were doing with Cody. Oh Andrew Everett's local. We can we can do that, and he hasn't been on the road or whatever. Maybe that's part of it. So kind of you know. These are the things that if we had, if we were privy to more kind of injury information, that kind of thing, we would be able to give the company a pass. But we just don't know it. So people just disappear into a black hole or whatever.
0: No one and, looks oh, more like ahead. they're from North Carolina than Andrew Everett. That's all I wanted to say.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the FTR Brock and Lee thing is just like, yeah, FTR is a focus athlete. Like we're talking about focus athlete, like, like, but you're revisiting the ARN thing in a kind of just abrupt fashion because as soon as ARN said Horseman Company totally heard and FTR wants ARN to be their dads. Like that was a pretty heavy thing going on with this. And it just I don't know. It it's something where like I want to see more of ARC of arc i want to see more of brock and lee johnson on tv I, especially lee johnson but it's just like in a way that it, it, it feels like it's like crowed barred in. it's like all right here are our acts okay who's up now to be with this act all right we can make this work here oh wait we'll pull up uh Tolly and arn again and get that pop because we're in in raleigh and done and that's kind of what that segment felt like to me
1: Right, but they did also do it backstage, so they didn't get any pop. <laughs> so it was like, oh, yeah, here's Arn and Tully. Here's some old dudes, uh, you know, in a pre-tape where the crowd doesn't see them. So, yeah, I, I could not care about it.
0: Uh, Nate, you're going to groan for this. I'm going to be calling this team Broccoli. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Folks, Nate, thoughts
0: <laughs> uh
1: I, I did a little chuckle he did he, he sold it, it was just mostly at, it was mostly at how much and how immediately you laughed at your own joke <laughs> like you said it and then like you started laughing at the very last or the very first syllable <laughs> afterwards and you just continued like laugh more and more at yourself
0: yeah thought it was a good joke uh our listener <laughs> delete. I didn't plan it this way, but I wanted to pick this delete and I'd already picked the Elite. So Short Shine is getting uh double play here. No Both- short shrift for Short Shine. <laughs> That's right. Uh Short Shine's delete. No Humpy Wheeler on this show. Uh and I have to agree. David Crockett back for the third show in a row, but where is Humpy Wheeler? <laughs>
1: I gotta tell you, I the first two times David Crockett was there, I couldn't really care. But when they brought David Crockett back a third time, huge <laughs> pop from me as a you know such a big Carolina head, and I love old wrestling so much that David Crockett coming out, just you know over the moon. So great to see him again for the third time in a row.
0: <laughs> well, we I didn't get a chance to talk with either of you about Humpy Wheeler, so. You know, any Humpy Wheeler thoughts
2: you have, I'm happy to hear.
1: It's unusual for a man's nickname to be
2: Humpy. Well, well you know the backstory behind that, <laughs> Nate.
1: <laughs> I did. I heard uh, Aaron discuss it on the Patreon show with Suit. Uh, but That's yeah, right. Unusual, un- unusual and comical first name.
2: Humpy. What a guy. Great great story, that Humpy. Uh, apparently, he was like the Bill Vec of stock car racing, which, you know sick as hell and yeah i it's something like yeah david crockett i they're in the carolinas they can get him there but like having him three times out there it's like i guess now whenever they have a tnc title match they have to have david crockett out there now
1: who tweeted humpy wheeler yuda because that made me laugh <laughs> <laughs> I
2: didn't see that. Somebody, somebody did
1: maybe it was Kara. you guys want to hear a Kara story
0: yeah sure i love Kara stories
1: so, uh, you know, Kara, one of our close friends, added uh, her on Final Fantasy XIV, the uh, massively multiplayer online role-playing game. And had never seen her in the game before, right? It's like, okay, we're friends on our friend list or whatever. So right before Dynamite tonight, I'm, uh, I'm going to an obscure fishing mission and on the deep reaches of like a zone from the first expansion pack. So it's like, an, it's like an eight-year-old zone doing like eight-year-old content for a fishing mission. And I get out there and the only other person on this like distant rock is Kara's character. <laughs> and I say, I say, lol, hi Kara, what a strange <laughs> place to finally run into you. <laughs> and And she turns her character to me and does the emote and it's like... Kara's character shrugs. And then she, <laughs> <laughs> and then she teleports away. <laughs> wow. I was like, wow. Stiff. <laughs> That's classic so anyway, Kara. There's a, there's a great massively multiplayer online RPG anecdote for you.
0: It's definitely going to resonate with all of our listeners 100 percent.
1: hey we've got a we've got a sizable uh final fantasy 14 playing contingent in the discord so that's true those are my that's people true. now
0: <laughs> all right let's get into the rest of the show we talked a little bit about the the opening segment with adam cole and red dragon in the ring i wish they would just name this fucking group so i can just say whatever they're going to call them that would be helpful to me personally uh Cole mentions that he's undefeated. Uh, Red Dragon's back together. The Bucks interrupt. Matt beat COVID. Uh, He's mad that they didn't get invited. It's their company. They're the longest reigning champs in AEW history. They're going to get their belts back. Bobby Fish disagrees. Adam Cole tries to make the best of this uh, disagreement and this dissension by saying, oh, this is what we need, friendly competition. Oh, they're doing catch point. This is catch point. Just realized I'm going to start calling this faction catch point. He says they're better than the best friends. Best friends come out. Uh, Orange Cassie ends up taking down Adam Cole and everybody uh, brawls. This is when Chris comes out, Britt comes out uh, and Britt and Adam Cole uh, kissed. Yeah, that's what happened. We had a word video where I just could not hear the voiceover, have no fucking clue what this video was about. I just could not understand what was happening.
2: It was a lot of opera and symphony puns done with someone who had, who sounded like the uh, TNA voiceover actor that passed away.
1: I, uh, I could hear the narrator perfectly. In fact, uh, thought it was a tremendous job of narration. They've done a couple of these. They would do them on pay-per-views all the time where they had these really overwritten uh, waxing poetic, kind of flowery introductions to the show, then they'd have some voiceover person come in. Uh, and that's kind of the same thing that this was, but you know, you get an, a good enough voice actor and it kind of makes the <laughs> overwritten prose about whatever it was, symphonies go down smoother.
0: And that led into CM Punk versus Wordlow with Punk winning with an inside cradle after the match MJF got in Wardlow's face, uh, Sean Spears had to get in between them. So they're continuing to stoke that fire of the uh, the MJF-Wardlow breakup. And then it was powerhouse Hobbs versus Dante Martin. Dante won with a roll-up after uh, Jay Lethal got involved, as we talked about already. And we have the Inner Circle backstage with Alex Marvez. They're talking about Inner Circle winning the PWI Faction of the Year. Eddie interrupts. Uh, Because even though they pointed this out on commentary, they continue to do an interruption on every backstage segment. So Eddie interrupts. He says Santana and Ortiz aren't the tag champs because of Jericho. Jericho says, hey, this is a family. Santana and Ortiz walk away. And then they they seg into uh, Jericho saying he's going to be ringside with Sammy tonight. If 2.0 gets involved, he's going to kick their ass. And if Eddie gets involved... Uh Jericho's gonna kick his ass.
1: Yeah, it was not executed very well. You know, you imagine Jericho's like, oh, I want to work with Eddie. He sees that Eddie is super over, um, and, you know, very charismatic and having great year of matches. So And then Jericho goes in here and just like could not seem more phony across some Eddie Kingston and you know it kind of kinda sets Eddie off where he doesn't feel Quite as on as he does for you know like the CM Punk backstage confrontation stuff. So yeah, it was like oh okay, that didn't that didn't land.
2: Yeah, it was very much like two different segments were happening at the same time with like two different people having two different segments and felt a little disjointed. Uh, PwI is just started giving everything awards now, haven't they? Like faction a year. Like did they have? Was there like a four horsemen winning the PwI thing happening? and the territory stuff you're watching, AB? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, just too certainly many
1: some of the awards they have been doing every, year. I don't know. Faction is one of them, but I saw some tweet that was, you know, citing a PWI in these same reader awards or something from, you know, the late eighties or something. So not totally invented out of whole cloth, uh, but also we shouldn't, throw any stones because we are doing a awards thing right now Uh, and also i'm working on the second reader poll content of this month
0: yeah but our awards have a strong origin and foundation Uh, you know we're three years deep on these awards. (laughs) we take it very seriously so uh, i'm looking on on wikipedia now they actually have some awards uh Wrestler of the Year, tag team, go back to 72.
1: Yeah, there you go. It's old ass stuff. You see, I believe
2: those, but I don't believe like they've awarded faction every year. Like faction is such like a WWF 1998
0: phrase too. Uh, They started Indie Wrestler of the Year in 2020. So that's definitely a new one. The winner was Warhorse.
1: I had a feeling it was either Warhorse or House. It had to be one yeah. of the two. Uh,
0: winner was Warhouse. Runner up, Nick Gage. Second runner up, AJ Gray. Third runner up, Chris Dickinson.
1: Chris Dickinson did very well in the twenty twenty two ELO rankings. Is he that was right? like top top twenty five, I think, which is quite a feat when you look at where some people are.
2: <laughs> so he <laughs> he was
1: booked well in twenty twenty.
0: This Wikipedia page has the defunct awards. And from 1972 to 1976, PWI gave out the Midget Wrestler of the Year.
2: Yeah. Doesn't (laughs) surprise me. I know Dave has had some awards (laughs) like that.
1: Yeah. You you cut out whenever was the punchline was the only thing that my my
0: stream lost, so I missed it. Oh. Midget wrestler of the year. (laughs)
1: That was not where I thought you were going. Honestly, from Mike's reaction, I thought it was going to be like hottest valet of the year or something.
0: No, they did uh, stop doing their woman of the year in 2019 for some reason. Hmm. Originally known as girl wrestler of the year.
1: (laughs) That's funny. Girl wrestler.
0: Uh, I can't see that they've ever done faction of the year. Well, Finner Circle is a
1: terrible choice, also, we should mention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or it's not on Wikipedia. I mean, they may very well do it. But anyway, that was fun. MJF comes out. Uh, He's mad about CM Punk. So next week, it's going to be CM Punk versus Sean Spears.
1: Sean Spears is a guy who never, never more than a couple weeks away from a TV match of some importance for whatever reason.
0: Absolutely. It's So I was thinking about the Wardlow thing, the Hobbs thing. Tony Khan just like doesn't think they're good enough workers, right? Like that's why they don't actually get pushed at a high level.
2: That I or...
1: guess he just doesn't think that's
0: But he definitely thinks Sean Spears is a good hand, right? Like I know that was part yes, of the story, does. but but that's what he thinks. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I think the thing with him maybe isn't that he sees, like, the talent that's very evident. I think he's someone that that is booking so long. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, this is a little payoff, like, two years from now and like that. So, I think he's just glacial is how I would say. Like, that kind of, at least towards booking and elevating wrestlers that, I mean, when they're there, they're there. But you don't have to always book for the next TV deal.
1: Yeah, you know, I... So he's doing what, I think you're onto something. Uh, and it made me think of how you would play your booking simulators, your EWRs, your Total Extreme Warfares. And you would have the option of doing, you know, you you milled your cards, but you also have the option of doing these very structured storylines where it's like somebody's pre-written a storyline for you. You plug one guy into this spot, you plug one guy into this spot, uh, and they lay out this whole week-by-week storyline and then you also have the option of doing like a free form storyline where it's like the storyline is anytime there's a segment involving these two people that advances the storyline. So he is taking these old storylines from whatever it is, Mid South or Smoky Mountain or ECW or whatever. Um, and he uses them on these, he uses them on MJF a lot. He gets these kind of stories. Cody gets these kind of stories where they're very structured out, like, okay, and then, you know, in week five, Chris Jericho has to take on, you know, the f- the fourth labeler of labor of Jericho. And so those are very structured out. And It's like all the little underlings are very established. Like, oh, it has to be this guy. It has to be dude. It has to be Sean Spears, because he's MGF's underling. Uh, and then for the rest of the card, he's just like, Well, Hobbs and Hobbs and Martin are are good. There's a team Taz thing going, um, and they're having a feud. So put them together. That'll be a good match and we'll, you know, put it on TV to to promote and advertise this. It just, there's a clear delineation between sort of like free form booking where it's like, well, whatever Taz can, can spin out of this moment is what this storyline's going to be about. And then like these very structured MJF stories, Cody stories, where it's like a very clear, uh, you know, week to week advancement of whatever it is. That's how I imagine it, because that's the same thing you would do in in a booking simulator, which is like, okay, I've got my top guy in this story. I've got all these 12 people accounted for. Uh, Now I've got the undercard. I don't really care about that. Put the two good
0: workers together and move on. This is Tony's EWR. IRL. It is. ORPG. (laughs) ORPG. Nope. Can't come up with anything for that. All right. Adam Cole, Red Dragon, the Young Bucks, all backstage. Adam Cole uh, says, Chris, you thought you were safe all this time? Brick comes out. She challenges Orange and Chris for Rampage. So that's all set up. Then we got Adam Page in the ring, and this was the thing with with Dan Lambert uh, and Lance Archer. And we've already discussed that because it was Nate's elite pick. And then we have the Arn, Brock, and Lee... Uh, backstage segment with where we set up the FTR thing. We had a video highlighting Jade Cargill's TBS title win that led right into Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb. Uh, Deeb won. I wrote knee bar, but was it a was it a crab or was it a knee bar? I want to say it was a single leg crab.
1: Yeah, I feel like it was a crab.
0: Uh, was and a then crab. after the match, she attacked Shida with a kendo stick.
1: I mean, I do. I, Deeb is definitely better in this heel role, for sure. She has a <laughs> like a natural unlikability about her. I don't know if I said this on the show, but I've said it in DMs. But she is like the bitchy old gym teacher or librarian that you didn't like. Um, <laughs> and it, it comes across in just the way she, you know, her facials or when she was doing promo. So that's a success. Um, you know, if you're, I don't know what size, I don't know. Rio just popped a rating. Uh, as she usually does, so maybe I'm underrating it. I don't know how many people came to this show because they wanted to see Chapter Five and Sheeta versus Deeb, uh, but they were definitely disappointed in what they got. It was like a built match.
2: Yeah, this is a match that got a lot of time across like all programming too, like m- much more time in the
1: build up than the actual match.
2: Yeah, and the actual match felt f- a lot longer than it was. In a way, to me, like, like it's, this is just, this is just a storyline and a feud that I just have no interest in at this point. Does D play a better heel? Like Nate was saying, yeah. But I, I'm just, like, at a point right now that's like, all right, she get she attacked uh, Hikaru knee again, and now she's doing, and there was a tweet that she was with Dr. Sampson looking at her knee. So, like, this feud will go on. Like, there's no finality to it, and I'm just kind of over it.
0: The confusing thing to me is like Deeb's whole deal is that she's like a great wrestler or whatever. Like that's her gimmick. Even as a heel, she wore like the woman of a thousand holds or whatever, the the professor of professional wrestling. But then in these matches, she just like attacks Sheeta, like, you know, just like yeah hits her with a kendo stick. And that's like, that can be a funny thing or like you can play off of that, but she doesn't. <laughs> So I don't understand what's happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's what the idea again, uh, uh, if I'm doing work on for the promotion, I think that's what the idea of this was like, Oh, we've built up this big match between these two women. They've faced like four times. We're finally going to settle it. We're going to do video packages about it for three weeks in advance. It feels like. Uh, And then I guess the heel thing was, Oh, she's going to deny you that match. She's going to come out and, attack sheeted before the bell and injure her and, and going to deny all of us the match. Like, I think that's what the idea was. Um, But it didn't, I don't know. I don't, it don't, I don't think it succeeded in making people hate Deeb for that reason. That didn't feel successful to me. Um, And yeah, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> no surprise, I guess that you do that angle on the one women's match where it's like, Oh, it's going to be a four minute match where she gets injured and the ref calls it. Uh, and that's going to be how we continue this storyline. Like Mike said, that's been going on for seemingly ever. Um, so yeah, I guess there's, you know, just kind of a disappointment um, for all the investment that they've put into this over all those video packages.
0: Then we had a uh, dress and Christian backstage with Tony Schiavone. Uh, Jungle Boy says they'll wrestle any top five team, anytime. John Silver, Alex Reynolds interrupt, and uh, they let them know that they're in the top five, and they would like to challenge. So they're going to wrestle on Rampage. Matt Hardy versus Penta was next. Penta one with the fear factor, as we talked about. I would Um, love to
1: see, like, uh, they're doing a backstage segment, you know, and it's the champions or whoever. Um, You know, Jurassic Express is doing their cutting their promo and then we just see the camera like zooms out and there's just a line of tag teams standing there <laughs> like oh let's get in there and challenge them and it's just, like six different teams and it's like no you know wait your turn in line like we get the challenge them first we're, we're here for the interview segment because that is what it, feel, it feels like every time the camera goes backstage there's just you know two guys standing immediately off screen like well oh, i'm just waiting for my chance to get my match here
0: And then after the uh, Matt Hardy and Penta match, that's when uh, we had Malachi Black come out. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison tried to make the save. Julia punished Julia, uh, stops them. She's still got her eye patch. She's got a black sweater on. She stops them. The lights go out again. And there's Brody King. Uh, He and Malachi take out. Uh, Griff and Brian Pillman and uh, Julia Bales as that's happening. So uh, a lot of intrigue around the post goop Julia. It's probably the thing I'm most interested about
1: in this storyline. That's for sure. <laughs> Cheerleader corruption is number
0: one on the list for me. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning a lot about Nate on this
2: episode. I think that I was Casper so said that. <laughs> I apologize for snorting right into the microphone there.
1: <laughs> I don't apologize for all the times I did that. They'll two weeks. It was intentional, and you're welcome. Uh,
0: then next was the, the Chris Statt, uh, Red Velvet, and Layla segment that we talked about. Uh, and then we had the Acclaimed versus Bear Country. Caster pinned one of the Bears. I don't know who's who. Uh, sorry, Chelsea. With uh, the mic drop. After the match, Sting came out. Uh, this was a way to uh, cause a little distraction. Darby hit Caster with a dive from behind. Sting took out Bowens. He kept smacking the boombox with the bat, which was funny. Uh, so yeah, that was this segment. Then we had a Pack video. And Pack let us know that his vision has never been so clear.
2: Yeah, he had a tarot card. He looked like he was just like he was blindfolded across that. So, you know, I'm glad that we finally have an update on Pac. And I like that whenever he does, whenever he, I assume, goes back to England for the holidays, he has uh, film careers. He's able to get stuff like this done because I always love these kind of segments from Pac.
0: Yeah,
2: Christmas is over. Uh, Pac is back soon.
1: I do. Uh, they are always well done when pack. I think the like the Beyond Beyond Gorilla guy shoots these or whatever for him. Um, I am, you know, I'm not. I I think it's going to a swerve involving Malachi Black or whatever. Uh, so I hope they're not actually making him spooky.
0: Punish pack. Pack and Julius, that's funny. Now that I'm thinking about it, that like as a team, is funny.
1: Smoking on that spooky pack. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, Matt Hardy and Private Party were backstage with Tony. Matt Hardy says maybe he's been focusing too much on the HFO and Private Party. He needs to focus on himself. Andrade interrupts and agrees. He does need to focus and suggests maybe they need to do a business deal together and Matt Hardy and Andrade walk off together.
1: Yeah. You need to make this unit bigger for sure. Hardy family office needs three more people in it. Um, that, you know, is this the, is this the beginning of Hardy boys? Is, is Matt focusing on himself mean that we're getting Jeff inbound? I don't know.
0: If you're Tony Khan, great time to book an angle about, a man selling two black people to another man.
1: Is that what you think is happening?
0: <laughs> well, he tried to buy Sting last week. Don't you think now he's trying to buy, <laughs> trying to buy Darby last no, week? He's trying yeah. to buy Darby. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He tried to buy Darby. Sting is not for sale. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. I'm just saying. I wouldn't go that I mean, way. I did, see,
1: I did see people saying that, like, is he selling Private Party to, to Andrade?
0: I mean, uh, like that would that would be funny in its own way. Like, but Tony, if you're listening, I probably wouldn't do that at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're taking PR advice from me, which if he dangerous. was selling,
1: if he was selling uh, uh, Bear Country to Andrade, sure, go for it.
0: Right. All right. Then we had the main event for the interim TNT title: Sammy Guevara versus Daniel Garcia. Sammy won with perhaps the worst. GTH I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, 2.0 attack. Jericho and Eddie made the save. Eddie went after Jericho, and that was how the show ended.
1: Eddie looked fucked up when he got in the ring at the end. There, like he, i don't know if he was just selling 2.0, taking him out earlier, but he was—he was, he was uh, limping around there.
2: Good yeah. match. Yeah, the match was good. I—I I liked the transition they did from like the first GTH to the Scorpion Deathlock, but. Yeah, the whoever's the new director calling shots picked the wrong shot for that GTH, did they?
1: You know, I've definitely seen worse GTHs. I've probably seen more GTHs than you have, Aaron, because uh, I saw more of uh, Sam on the Indies. But it didn't jump out to me. You know, it wasn't one of these ones where, like, the guy just is nowhere close to him and it's all air and it's just like there's no contact whatsoever. It was just kind of... Sloppy looking, I guess.
0: Uh, our friend uh, Wiccafe has let us know in the Discord that there were some callbacks to uh, a counter that Fuego also did on Dark. So you know, you really have to watch all the product to wow uh, to, to know what's going on.
1: That's a deep pull.
0: I know. Uh, yeah, I thought hey, Garcia was was really good here. Uh, just. Another thing where I don't understand why you had to have this like complicated finish. Like, just have Sammy Guevara beat Daniel Garcia and move on.
1: Garcia like makes Luchasaurus faces and sounds. Yeah, he rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've definitely commented previously on his on his growls and his grimaces or whatever but this one they really felt like he was doing dinosaur
2: (laughs) he has gremlin vibes like it's not dissimilar to kyle o'reilly has them but in a different form like they're this similar energy you know they're both kind of like gremlins in a way yes
1: but kyle you know you feel like there's some intentionality where he's like oh i i do the goofy sleazy thing i'm a goofball I'm, i'm cool kyle when i'm not being vicious or whatever Whereas it doesn't feel like Garcia is going for like intentionally goofy. It feels like he's going for intense or something and it it slides into dinosaur from time to time.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. It comes across like sincerely to
1: me from Garcia. He is a
2: sincere dinosaur, yes.
1: I was I was about to say it doesn't feel it feels true to him, which is really the most the thing that I ask for the most is just a little bit of authenticity in pro wrestling. So it doesn't bother me, but it is like funny.
0: Yeah, his whole deal is is funny, I think. But it, that's, it's one of those things where it's much easier to pull someone back than to try to get more out of them. So if he does this thing that's like a little too much, uh, that's good at this, this point in his career. It's like, you know, with young point guards, an important thing is them turning the ball over a lot. That's positive because that means they're trying to create, you know, and that maybe that's uh, something you can apply to Garcia here. But you don't have to. It's just just my view.
1: I feel like Garcia probably I don't know if you had a guy, but there was a guy in in my school who would like do like a raptor impersonation (laughs) and he would put his put his hands like under his under his uh, his chin and do like the, you know, raptor splayed out thing and he'd make little raptor noises and kind of walk funny around whatever was the biology room i feel like daniel garcia
2: yeah probably high school um
1: i feel like daniel garcia probably would do that
2: we definitely had a t-rex kid i was doing t-rex arms like but uh that was something that got out of their system before like middle school so yeah the raptor face is funny like just go. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, you, if you can convincingly do the raptor like spitting noise, it, it's going to play.
2: Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> so actually, it was a good raptor impression, is what you're saying. If he was yeah, doing I the spitting,
1: so. but yeah, I think okay. he was. I think he was pretty much like a well liked guy. Fair just being enough. silly.
0: Raptor guy, if you're listening, uh, hit us up. Would love to feature you uh, on a show sometime. <laughs> doing the raptor noises. Ooh, we have a soundboard just waiting for it. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was Dynamite for this week. If you enjoy our show, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Sign up. We got all the favorites over there. We're talking Dynamite. We're previewing it. We're talking Dark. We're talking Elevation. We're talking Rampage. I had Suit Williams on uh, this past weekend to talk Rampage and Battle of the Belt. So we got coverage of both those shows over on the Patreon We've got uh, our big awards show came out this week. So we did all our nominations for awards. If you are a patron, you can sign up and listen to that show. And then you can also vote on all our awards and we'll be announcing the winners, uh, soon. I can't remember exactly when voting ends.
1: I think it ends Tuesday and then we're doing winners next week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. Okay. So you have plenty of time to vote. So sign up. Vote and uh, yeah, we'll have winners. Uh, but you know, big news from our Patreon this week, Nate. Uh, it's the end of an era and the beginning of a new one.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not talking about vlogs anymore. I'm retired from vlogs. Um, really, I I should have been high energy today because it's you know, the best thing I've ever done for myself is giving up vlogs. Uh, and yeah, we'll save the other thing, I think, for after. Awards,
0: because they've already got one voting thing okay. on their plate here. That's that's a good idea. I like that. That's smart. Uh, we have a Discord also. So sign up, patreon.com slash everything elite. Also starting to work on a new This Is episode. If you like those, I'm not saying when it's coming, because sometimes it takes me a while to put things together. But starting to ruminate. That's over at patreon.com slash everything elite. Also, we posted... Uh, Mike's uh, tea break on uh, the end of the performance center era. So on the free feed, that was a Patreon show. So if you liked that show, uh, that's, you know, kind of an example of some of the things that Mike does on the Patreon. So a good reason to sign up if you enjoyed that. All right. On Rampage this weekend, I believe Mike and Nate will be covering this on world tour this weekend. Uh, It's from Raleigh. We've got the tag titles, Jurassic Express versus John Silver and Alex Reynolds, Trent Beretta versus Adam Cole, Uh, Chris Statlander, Red Velvet, and Layla Hirsch versus Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, and The Bunny, Sean Spears versus Andrew Everett, and a special look at the Thunder Rosa-Mercedes Martinez feud.
1: Yeah, we're going to watch that shit.
0: (laughs) Trent versus Adam Cole sounds sick. I'm, I'm excited about that. The tag match will be good. It'll be a fun show. Yeah, it should be a fun episode. And they've announced a lot for Dynamite next week. Uh, Back in DC, of course, where Dynamite started. Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander versus Adam Cole and Britt Baker. CM Punk versus Sean Spears. Serena D versus Sky Blue. Sting and Darby versus The Acclaimed. And Cody Returns. So a big show for Dynamite next week. We'll be previewing that on Light over on the Patreon next Wednesday morning. All right. Well, I think that's our show. So follow us on Twitter at everythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Card. Nate's at Apitasis. Mike's at Fujiheya Subscribe. Linktra.ee slash everything AEW. Rate and review. Uh, and head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. Uh, that's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.